0: Listening Dog Media.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The offside rule, we get it with Lindsay Hooper. Hello
0: and welcome once again to the Offside Rule podcast. It is weekly now, every Monday. Get downloading and get following us at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and the Offside Rule podcast on Facebook. Uh, Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay once more come together. Yeah, I have to make some noise, girls, so they know that I'm not on my own. Woo woo woo! <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, we have three more topics to debate this week. Uh, we're going to save our um, Bundesliga and La Liga and Syria roundups for the new year, but we will have some new bits and bobs appearing on the podcast from January. But for today, uh, by the way, my final one for a couple of weeks because I'm oh. off to Malaysia. Did you know?
1: God, you're just always jetting off everywhere, leaving us in the lurch. I'm sorry. Zoe Aminski is going to
0: come and fill my valuable shoes. Number one topic today, best strike partnerships. I know that they're a dying breed nowadays, but have you managed to find some current strike partnerships that we can discuss? Also approaching the January transfer window, and we'll discuss lots of people going from club to club, but there's also the small matter of low knee signings, and this worked a treat for a few clubs last season. So your favorite
1: Loney signings of recent times You know if Zoe comes to replace you for a little while she's on Loney we might just sign her up permanently. Be oh. careful.
0: <gasps> Loney Oh no um, no actually I've checked my contract and uh, I'm in for a good five years. Just so you both know, yeah. A contract? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And third and finally, dig out some famous Premier League club supporters who perhaps we wouldn't expect. I gave an example when I um, asked you girls about this, about Robert Plant at Wolves. Loads of people know that already, but... You got the gist. Um, so we'll crack on with topic number one: strike partnerships. Um, a few in the past, then Steve Bullen, and Andy Murch, my favourites from Molyneux. I knew you were
2: going to raise bully. <laughs> I just knew
0: bully, bully was of gonna... course. Uh, there were Shearer and Ferdinand, Dwight York and Andy Cole that Haley will remember. But what's happened of recent times, recent years? Who are we going to go for? Well, I have managed to make the move up to Scotland <laughs> for this one. That's where I had to go. Is that what you've done as well? No, but I'm impressed. Ah. Um, I've gone for Gary Hooper, who, of course, is a the, the subject of a lot of speculation for the January transfer window. But his partner, strike partner at Celtic, is Anthony Stokes, and between them, they've scored 31 goals so far this season, as we record this podcast mm. here and now. Impressive. Um, impressive stuff. There aren't many prolific strike partnerships. I honestly think that Stokes will suffer if Hooper gets dragged somewhere else. By the way, no relation. Um, in the in the transfer window um, but also a strike partnership that I thought showed so much promise but Newcastle down in the doldrums of the Premier League I thought Cissé and Bar would be hmm. prolific this year but they've not really got their firing boots together yet but we'll see what happens in the future with that one um, so that's mine uh, who shall I go for Kate? Well I'm going to put a bit of a
2: downer on this because I tried and I tried to find a strike partnership but nothing inspired me I literally went through most of the Premier League teams having a look at their top goal scorers, having having a look at how many appearances, and my point really was that you know we are in an era. Of a dying strike partnership, and that's a lot to do with the way that the games played. Remember Spain playing against Italy at the Euros this uh, summer? They didn't field any strikers at all, and the popularity of having five across the middle or four, and then and um, and then a holding behind them, has just meant that often teams are fielded with just the one main man up front, and that's that kind of role, that sort of centre forward striker role, being the complete forward. Very much what kind of football's about now. I thought back to the heydays of Ian Rush and. Kenny Delgleish, I thought back to the SAS, the Shearer and uh, Sutton partnership and I just thought, do you know what? Back then, managers put faith in their strike partnerships and they were able to have a run of games. If you look at Andy Cole and Dwight York, at York. I think Andy Cole was like the fourth choice striker or something for um, Fergie then. But Fergie had had faith and put faith in those guys and that's why they went on to score a huge amount of goals. Best ever strike partnership, by the way, was Andy Cole again and Peter Beardsley in the 93-94 season for Newcastle United. 64 goals between them. This season I've had a look at berbatov i 've had a look at, at manchester city too, but but the problem is squads are so big, and the major squads have got so much money that they can afford to use four strikers. And very, very rarely are you know definite strike partnerships established. So my main little moan, really, was that, first of all, as a Liverpool supporter, there's only one first-choice striker, so there's no strike partnership available there. And secondly,
0: that you just don't get them enough these days. No, you don't. I thought I'd set a
1: difficult one. How have you fared, Hayley McQueen? I was going to start mine with the very same point. When you trail (laughs) through championship... Premier League, the two divisions I'm most familiar with, even sort of going out further afield to La Liga, although because I don't watch it so regularly, it is very hard to comment rather than just bringing up the stats. There's an exciting partnership that I was super excited about at Manchester United. When Van Persie, of course, joined Manchester United, I thought, oh yes, it's going to be great, like the days of your Van and your Yorks and your Coles and Sherrings, It's going to be wonderful. There's an abundance of talent. So much choice there. You've got Welbeck, Hernandez, Rooney. And I'm a I'm a bit disappointed that Van Persie and Rooney haven't played together as much, but when they have, it has been really exciting. I've gone for them too because I think the best is yet to come. I really like the quote from Van Persie after a game saying, uh, I call it the nine and a half he said, because you have two positions, the nine and the ten, and we're both nine and a half. And he said he thinks it works really well together. They help each other out. He said, we both play behind and a bit higher up. It seems to be working well. I'm very happy with Wayne. I think he was one of the main, not just Sir Alex Ferguson, in coming to a, a club where he was going to be guaranteed Champions League football. But the fact he was excited about coming and mm-hmm. playing with another player. One quick thing I wanted to note on this. I was really surprised. You mentioned that partnership of Nistelroy and Solshar. Who'd have thought that they were more prolific than Cole and York? Did you know that? When no, you I Yes. Didn't. I just automatically
0: went Cole and York. But yeah. that, now you say it, it doesn't surprise me. Uh,
1: 40 goals each, actually. Oh. Cole and York, 35 and 39. So it was close. Yeah. And most people maybe enjoyed seeing them because they scored the goals in perhaps more important games yeah. and started together as opposed to Solskjaer coming on off the bench. Yeah. But I was really surprised to find that out.
0: Absolutely. Hmm, that's uh, got us thinking and perhaps for the future, I wonder if there'll be a return of strike partnerships to come. These things always come around. We've had the era of Barcelona influencing the English game. Maybe something else will.
1: The female take on football.
0: Uh, let's go to our next topic. So January is around the corner. We will talk about uh, potential transfers, um, etc and the the doomsday that is Jim White's day at Sky Sports News. Um, but let's talk about first of all loney signings. Um, we have emergency loan signings throughout the season, but also, as January approaches, it seems to be that time where people like the MLS season have their off-season. It means that a few players are available to come back to the Premier League. Um, there is one that's been talked about, Henri, of course, potentially coming back to Arsenal. I'm going to start you ladies off with Robbie Keane, because I was so impressed. Are you OK? You've just dropped your phone there. Oh um, <laughs> Get, <off> the <laughs> Get up off the floor. You've fainted. <laughs> Robbie Keane, <King>, you say? <laughs> Just diving there, just getting my practice in. Um, Robbie Keane, three goals in two games. Of course, I remember two of them very well. They were against Wolves, former club. That's where he started, wasn't it? We sent him on his global career. That's now seen him. (laughs) We have global career. Yeah, he's now over in the MLS. He's been playing with David Beckham, Scotland and England. Global career. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For me, back at Villa, Birmingham's quite global to Wolverhampton people. Um, but yeah, he came back to Aston Villa, didn't he, last season? And three goals in two games, two prolific strikes against the Wanderers, as if he should have done that. Um, but I-, I couldn't fault him for them. Absolute goal-scoring touch. His running off the ball has always impressed me, Robbie Keane, but his knows for where the goal is. It doesn't matter whether his back's facing the corner flag. He knows where that goal is. And, um, and of course, off the back of recent times, times with uh, David Beckham finishing off at LA Galaxy. He is the lone face I guess for a former Premier League out there representing LA Galaxy now that David Beckham's on his way and played his last game but Robbie Keane uh, big fan. I'd love him back at the uh, the Molyneux one day but not scoring against us. Uh, One of my favourite lonely signings of recent times is Joe Hart uh,
2: to Birmingham City. Um, I I have a little soft spot for Birmingham City. So 2009-2010 season Manchester City's number one goalkeeper is Proclaimed as Shay Given, who's bought in for that season. This means Joe Hart uh, needs to get some serious practice in, and Birmingham take him. He finished about ninth in the clean sheet league for that season, behind the likes of van der Sar, uh, behind the likes of Czech Reina, Friedel. So actually he did very, very well, considering it was Birmingham's first season in the Premier League. He'd come from not having very much experience. He'd been at Shrewsbury Town. He'd not had much um, uh, first match experience with the Shrews. The so uh, I think that that's a wonderful story. He was nominated um, for the 2010 PFA Young Player of the Year. He made the PFA Team of the Year. You know, most of all, his period at Birmingham City marked his arrival from great potential came, you know, a genuinely talented keeper. He went out on a boy and came back a man. And
0: do you know that in Asia, he, hit, <laughs> he is massive. They love him. I think they love Joe Hart nearly as much as they love David Beckham over there. Have you, have you known that? What's the He's pin a pin massive pinup. Is Blond, the blonde hair, hair and blue eyes. Blonde hair, really? blue eye combo. See, if I was male, I'd be well away. Now, I'm not blonde anymore. Damn, I, I keep forgetting that. I've changed my hair colour. Anyway, um, we'll go on to Halo
1: uh, Mine is uh, another Manchester City player, and it was a very, very brave decision for an England international, and someone should be at the peak of his career as a defender, Wayne Bridge. <gasps> Who'd have yes. thought Wayne Bridge at Brighton? Yes. I was really surprised. I had missed out on the fact that he'd gone and signed for them and was just flicking through the paper and... Looked at this article and I was thinking, this can't be right here. So obviously he had a little look. And, yeah, the week before, he'd um, gone down and decided that he was going to make the trip to the uh, south coast and uh, play for the Seagulls. Do you think he wanted to be nearer the beach? I think so. Maybe the rock and a, the rides and just... It's a much more fun place to be than the northwest. perhaps. I don't know.
2: What else is Brighton famous
1: for?
0: Devil's Dyke.
1: What? <laughs> what, what on earth is this? Explain.
0: <laughs> it's, um, it's like a hill, isn't it? What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Dalek is. We'll get the Brighton fans to get in touch at Offside Rule Pods, but I'm pretty sure there is. And they've got the lanes, lovely bit of shopping. Oh um, we like to have a bit of girly chat occasionally some lovely boutique dresses and you're know, also a really exciting club led by an
2: exciting manager as well
1: yeah. I love the stadium as well I saw Middlesbrough mm, Brighton, Brighton last God. season and was really really taken aback with just how cool it was in a really good location as well I had a great day out he's actually scored two goals in 16 mm. appearances as well he's been a- ever-present, seems pretty settled. He's not been afraid to go out on loan, which a lot of these Premier League players are. And especially players who are at Manchester City think, just want to hang on, just want to hang on, because they're a team that are going to do great things yet again, challenging for the title. Uh, And I think it was a very bold decision for him to go to a team, uh, not just dropping down the league, but down the leagues.
0: All right, we're going to rattle on, girls, because I think we're we're having a bit of a chinwag today. It's like a mother's meeting. Let's go on to our final topic. Um, And this is surprise... Premier League supporters. These can be from around the world, the world of celebrity. Who have you managed to dig out who supports a Premier League team that we might not ordinarily expect? We'll start with Hayley
1: this time. This is the most famous person in the world, well, if not the world, at least Great Britain. Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and all the very best to my team, the Gunners. (laughs) That's the Queen, just in
2: case. Is she really an Arsenal fan?
1: According to Cesc Fabregas, she's an Arsenal fan, yeah. You match. According to a royal source, I don't know who this source is, but the source says that she is an Arsenal fan um, and apparently she appeared to know who Cesc Fabregas was and they exchanged a few words. So according to Cesc Fabregas, she was extremely knowledgeable, uh, all about Arsenal their season, and I think that's uh, pretty cool. Um, There's a few really random ones, actually. Spurs fans. There are some really cool Spurs fans. Apparently Jude Law... Is a Spurs fan because of his granddad, Phil Collins and the fashion designer Ted Baker. And also the slightly controversial author Salman Rushdie.
0: Uh, excuse me, did you just put Phil Collins in a cool bracket? <laughs> well,
1: he was a cool musician to our parents, was he? But those are pretty cool people. Do you this I mean? era. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> and uh, Mikhail Gorbachev apparently up the latics, according to him.
2: <laughs> well, that's an interesting notion. <laughs> uh, Barack Obama talking of very influential people. As one website tells me, now, I can't qualify this, not being a Hammers fan myself, but he supports West Ham. Apparently they've even got a chant for him down at the Bolin.
0: barack the, the, the West Ham fan. fan, he hates the Tottenham. He loves Upton Parliament, oh. the war in Iraq. He's barack the West Ham fan. Toot, toot.
2: <laughs> Genius. Oh,
1: funny. Oh.
2: Genius. Um, Dr Dre... And Samuel L. Jackson are Liverpool fans. Can I just say, we are the coolest fans in the whole wide world. Can
0: I just say to Haley, that's cool. Samuel L. Jackson, cool. Phil Collins, not so cool. I can see it. <laughs> Something about holding a microphone makes me want to sing. Um, let's go for mine. Um, Tom Hanks, Aston Villa fan. Did you know that, Haley? I did, only through research, though. And yeah, that, I've he... seen him on interviews as well, talking about them, and had a scarf, I think, when he went to go and speak with Jonathan Ross. Oh, well, if he's got the scarf, he's <laughs> definitely a fan. He <laughs> yeah, didn't seem to know much about them or their endeavours, or that they were struggling near towards the bottom for relegation, but he is apparently a fan. And um, my favourite that I heard on the radio uh, in the, the last week or so, um, and it has to be, of course, the other side, West Brom, Goran Ivanovic. Oh. former Wimbledon oh. champion Goran Iv- Ivanisevic supports the baggies boing boing oh dear I'll
1: tell you a little story actually this is quite funny it might not be but I think it is I went to watch England play at Wembley and me and my friend Bianca Westwood we bumped into the cast of American Pie they were over here on a promotional yeah. tour and we hung out a little bit with I say hung out I was working there at the day on, on you know, reporting. Was the drink involved? No, the. Oh, was, gosh. Uh, Stifler involved. <laughs> yeah, well, Stiffler's mum, she's the coolest woman I've ever met. Uh, Sean Maguire was over here. Do you remember him from Hill? He's a big star out there in Hollywood oh, at the moment.
2: Too. Pop star too, isn't yeah.
1: he? So they were all out anyway. A few of them had stayed back in the UK after going to this football game. Uh, Eddie was actually researching. Uh, I can't remember what his name is on American Pie now, which is really annoying me. Um, Finch. Finch. He was Finch, yeah. And um, Jason Biggs was there as well. I take it the
0: cast of American Pie were there. Yeah, even the dad, Eugene Levy. Oh, legend. Yeah.
1: He wasn't actually at the game, but he was out a little bit later on. And Bianca and I arranged... um, I knew Chris Powell from way back, having done interviews with him and, of course, Bianca being a real London girl. We arranged for them to go and watch Charlton Athletic and they were taken into the dressing room before the game and after the game and apparently, yeah, Chris Powell actually let Eddie, and Sean Maguire help out with the the pre-match team talk because he was researching a film about sports behind the scenes. I think he was going to be playing a football player. Um, uh, It's a film coming out in a couple of years he's about to start doing. I I think I might be right on that one. But, yeah, and they had an amazing day. And, actually, they'd already secured promotion, but this was the game at home where, of course, all the fans were going along and... They absolutely loved it and said they didn't realise a football match was as exciting as that and preferred it to the England game that they'd seen at Wembley Stadium. There you go.
0: Love that story. Awesome stuff. Well, we will return, but it will be minus myself next week. We'll have Zoe Aminsky mm-hmm. in my chair. Um, but Kate Borsay and Haley McQueen will return to debate more footballing topics next week. So do join them. Uh, we're out every Monday. Uh, make sure you get downloading and clicking via SoundCloud and iTunes. And, of course, give us a follow at Twitter at Pod And the Facebook page, give us a like at uh, the Offside Rule Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And we will return again next week. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: The offside rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper.